Hi, I'm Karina Mengi-Ward from EMC Arts. Here on the Arts Forward podcast, we explore the challenges facing the arts sector right now to do things differently, to do things they've never done before. In each episode, we look at stories of experimentation and success from innovative arts organizations across the country. Today, we're exploring the challenges and opportunities facing arts service organizations. In the studio, I'm joined by the leaders of two organizations participating in our New Pathways program for service organizations right here in New York City. I'm pleased to welcome Jeffrey Leppendorf, the executive director of the Community of Literary Magazines and Presses, and Monica Valenzuela, who's the interim executive director of Staten Island Arts. Hello. Hello. Hi, Karina. Nice to be here. So as our listeners may or may not know, each of your organizations supports and develops the cultural community in a particular place or discipline. You each came into the New Pathways program because you were wrestling with challenges that couldn't be conquered by simply improving or tweaking what you were already doing. You were looking for an innovative approach. Through workshops and coaching sessions, you've been exploring your most complex, intractable challenges, questioning assumptions, and brainstorming new strategies for the future. A few months ago, you each began a deeper investigation of just one key complex challenge. So starting with you, Jeffrey, talk a little bit about what challenge or opportunity you're exploring in this deep dive part of the program. Sure. So CLMP, in a nutshell, we are a hub for independent literary publishers, um, all the folks that produce um, so much that's really important to our culture, but is not always as commercially viable as those, you know, top 10 New York Times bestsellers. So translation publishers, poetry publishers, cultural theory, things like that. And as much as we are a service organization that traditionally has largely provided um, technical assistance, we've realized that some of the stuff we've done that we're most proud of has really been in connecting members of the community to each other. And so our deeper dive has really been in looking at other ways we might form community and facilitate forming community, um, largely moving from a what can we do from you proposition to a how might we facilitate all of us working better. Great, thanks. So Monica, tell us a little bit about Staten Island Arts and what was the challenge or opportunity that you guys were exploring in this deeper dive part of the New Pathways program. Sure. Uh, Well, Staten Island Arts is the local arts council or local arts agency for Richmond County. Back, I guess, two years ago, we started, uh, we got a Rockefeller Cultural Innovation Fund grant in 2010 to do um, an assessment of spaces on Staten Island. Um, We were a tenant at Snug Harbor Cultural Center, a very historic kind of landmark uh, space on Staten Island. But we were in a basement, as many nonprofits are. So in looking at other spaces and what those kind of elements should be in our space. Um, We were connected with the Staten Island uh, St. George Ferry Terminal um, as they were looking to fill the spaces inside there. There were a lot of vacant spaces in the new renovation of that building. And that's the ferry terminal on the Staten Island side connected to Manhattan, right? Correct. Um, It's it's a really large transportation hub and the third largest tourist attraction in New York City. It's the freeway to see the Statue of Liberty. But Staten Island is geographically isolated from the rest of New York City. And ways of communicating 
um, and working with artists were very one-on-one. So we were thinking, okay, now we're going to be in this ferry terminal where 76,000 people are coming through a day. It's two-thirds commuters, one-third tourists. Um, There's an incredible opportunity for audience engagement. If this is the first chance when people get off the boat to experience culture on Staten Island, which often is... um, kind of battling a stereotype, what would that look like and how how could we best utilize 2,500 square feet to do that? You know, it's, it's funny, some things that we really sort of have in common. It's been nice doing this program with other groups where we can really learn stuff from them. Whereas um, I would say similarly, our best work has been one-on-one with members. And traditionally, you know, folks come to us with a problem, we help them work through the problem. And that's still great. But, you know, we're a national organization. And so how do we keep doing that in a national way? And we've been trying to explore some ways to deal with groups of people, to put it simply. And here you are also having dealt one-on-one, and now suddenly you have this torrent of crowds. And how do you, you know, capture them in groups? It's really interesting. So listening to each other and just from your own experience, how do you see the, the challenges facing service organizations which have been more recently called arts development agencies, as different from those who focus on producing and presenting work for the public? Well, the, the immediate challenge is that we don't generally touch audiences in that easily countable way that, at least for now, is um, in the funding community so convenient to talk about and has such clear results. So, you know, for us as an organization that serves other organizations, there's this sort of double and almost triple challenge because we're helping small publishers who already are misunderstood who then help writers to then reach readers. Our role is this sort of invisible one. And it's only more recently we've realized what now seems obvious to us that we need to be as visible in that process to in fact highlight the two ends, but also to remain sustainable ourselves. So um, we have a lot of hurdles and a lot of explaining to do, which makes it really tough. I would totally agree. I think it, the invisibility factor is something that, you know, is hard when you're trying to highlight some of the constituents that you work with and their work and not affect it or taint it in any sort of way. Um, I think there's something really beautiful, especially when two groups are coming together to collaborate. And very purposely, because of just conflict of interest with our granting program, we we take a very conscious effort to not you know, have a hand in a lot of the artistic direction of programs. But in terms of even reporting on it and capturing information and demonstrating the impact without taking credit for what the end product is, is always challenging too. And that that really is the catch because even if we reinforce our facilitating role and we get folks together to do great things, the, the idea of taking credit is really a tough one because we we want the limelight on them. That's why we exist. And yet if we don't get any of that light, then we can't continue to exist. So it's a tricky one. So you've each, you're each wrestling with these complex challenges. And about a month ago, um, as a part of the New Pathways program, you took an intensive retreat to immerse yourself, your staff, and some other stakeholders in the difficult questions and dilemmas that are arising out of your work around that challenge. Um, So I want to hear from each of you um, at that retreat. Was there a particular turning point or aha moment that really jumps out at you, Monica? You know, we've had a lot kind of going on and are dealing with a lot of changes at once. And I think that came a lot of that came to a head at the retreat. Having everybody in the same room was so powerful. And then at the end, the aha moment was not having the aha moment, but knowing that, you know, we we had a plan. I, I think the the most powerful point was 
having everybody in the room and really getting at logistics. And so our experiments, we, we hammered out some timelines and it was not, it was not as sexy as a larger vision. I think, I think it was the process of actually working as a group kind of to delineate the path forward. That's very meta. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what John said. He was like, this is, that's Zen Buddhism. You know, you have the nirvana that you, you know, kind of work towards. And then you have just the, the every day, you're not going to see nirvana until it's behind you. And Jeffrey, for you, what was a turning point or an aha moment in the retreat? There were a number of aha moments, but there was one that came early on that I think has still been informing a lot of what we do. And that has to do with our whole field's image of itself, in a sense, and then also uh, CLMP's image of itself. And I think there was a, in some cases, maybe a, a body dysphoria image. You know, we, we, we think we're fat and everyone else thinks we're skinny. But um, it really had to do with us working really hard to uh, feeling like poor little us, you know, tiny, tiny service org and small field made up of little things. That, and there's these giant conglomerate publishers and giant booksellers who seem to be against us. Um, and so we've worked really, really hard um, through language, we're lit people, to legitimize ourselves. And I think we, we assumed we had done this really, really well. And so we have been very careful to avoid saying small press and instead said independent literary publisher, for example. And a big aha moment was when we decided to start with just, let's define who we are. Uh, who is this community? We're saying we want to be community, but who is it? Who are we? And uh, in going through that process, we, have, we reclaimed the word small as actually a virtue, that the one thing that really makes us different is we are made up of hundreds of small things. So maybe back to the Zen metaphor, hundreds of small things, this beautiful lotus of activity that um, are somehow all connected through CLMP. And that that really is something to celebrate and not something to make pretend isn't the case, like, oh, we're not really small. And the fact is this language we worked so hard over years to construct, um, largely because we thought it is what, say, the funded community wanted to hear. Um, and I don't know if that's true or not, but that what we created was something pretty pretty boring. And we actually erased ourselves a little bit. And the fact is we're, we're hundreds of small things who are agile and can change and try things and do things that the large conglomerate, equivalence isn't the word, but parallels to us, actually can't do. And in these uh, particularly challenging times for the entire you know, literary uh, book selling and literary magazine selling uh, arena, if you go out there to a bookstore where all the books look the same, but some are not for profit produced and some are small produced and some are large, um, that's actually a key virtue. So reclaiming the word small for me was, was a big aha. And it moved us to change a lot of our other language into just what things really are, which seems so obvious, but it's hard to do. So we have um, moved toward trying to say things in the way that human beings actually speak to one another, <laughs> which is hard for folks. And it's funny because um, you know we're practicing what we preach. We've worked really effectively in helping so many of our own member publishers use plain language and talk about uh, passionately what they really do rather than the boring mission statements that they write that they think they're supposed to create to put into grant proposals that everyone skips when they read the about page because they're unreadable. We've sort of given ourselves permission to exclaim the actual passion that we have for what we do, which is simple and basic in a profound way, not a way that is you know, not complex enough to legitimize it. These re- retreats are not always um, smooth sailing. There's often moments of um, heat in the room or conflict in the room, moments of real challenge. Um, I think from where I said, I think those moments can be really useful. The retreat was emotionally exhausting. Um, I think um, 
what became really clear um, was the amount of passion that each of the people in the room bring to the table um, and taking taking that kind of emotional part out of it as much as possible. Um, we're, we're at our organization as, a, as is at a point um, that our executive director had resigned as of the end of the uh, end of the year. So at the end of January for the retreat, we were just a month fresh um, in in trying to figure out what that meant, whether what that meant in the short term for how to how are things managed to how are things managed at the board level and the amount of work on everybody's plates to kind of bring the organization to the next chapter, um, I think was on everybody's skin, even though that's not what we were talking about at the retreat, it's on everybody's mind. You know, the executive director as a role is the liaison between the board and the staff. And so not having that person, that liaison in the room, started conversations that probably have never happened before. So a big part of our um, practice at EMC Arts is about failing small and failing often. And coming out of the retreat, um, you and your teams each identified some prototypes that you'll conduct to test out the strategies that you started developing at the retreat. Um, so starting with you, Monica, what's one prototype that, you're, that you have planned that you're particularly excited about? What is it that you're going to do and what are you hoping to learn? So our challenge is this physical space. Um, the experiment is to pilot four different programs we have a film screening. We have um, kind of an unplugged uh, night with a local band uh, who, who writes songs about Staten Island and uses a lot of history in their work. And then two small kind of literary f- events, one focused on teenagers who hang out in the ferry terminal between the hours of 2 and 5 p.m. And um, a weekend event with, um, with younger kids and families. We're also using some of the funds to document to show what different things can happen in, in the space, because we do offer the space for programs and events um, in the community who are approaching us. Can I do an event in the terminal? What would that look like? And we're still figuring that out. So this allows us kind of in a short amount of time to see what that setup is, what the equipment um, is required, what kind of interfacing, what kind of contracts between artists, um, and also physical documentation and marketing materials. Great. And for you, Jeffrey, what's a prototype you're planning that you're excited about and what are you going to do and what are you hoping to learn? Um, One of them, uh, of of the two main ones we're doing, um, really has to do with looking at different ways that our community might gather, um, particularly in places not in our office. So we're already doing some little experiments around different types of gatherings that are local. But the real question is, how do we do that in all these other places? We're national, and that's one of our big challenges. We're teeny tiny. Here we are in New York. So um, we're going to be testing some different ways of having people together in person, perhaps sending a staffer out to another city, and then also some, uh, I think, different virtual ways. So be that a chat room or you know, Adobe Connect or different ways of having communities outside of New York, and even here as well, um, get together and share knowledge so that we're increasing our role of facilitating these gatherings um, of those publishers together and also trying some of these similar experiments with some of our publishers and these other groups of allies. I mentioned earlier, like literary agents. We have a speed dating event coming up with agents and publishers. Um, we're going to be doing one with translators and publishers uh, soon after that and several others. So we've learned, and we know this for many, many years, it's awfully hard to get even a small group of people in one place at one time. And it's a challenge that is far harder than anyone who hasn't had to do it would ever, ever imagine. And uh, where we're in a, a helping 
profession here, um, you can't impose your help on folks. You really have to offer it in a way that's inviting so that they want to engage with it. Now, what other ways might we uh, open our arms and, so that others will grab our hands and join us? Jeffrey Leppendorf is the executive director of the Community of Literary Magazines and Presses, and Monica Valenzuela is the interim executive director of Staten Island Arts. Thanks to you both for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This is the Arts Forward podcast. You can check out more on our website that features multimedia profiles of innovative organizations, a blog and this podcast series, and much more at www.artsforward.org. That's A-R-T-S-F-W-D.org. I'm Karina Mangu-Ward of EMC Arts in New York.